0: Estate planning made easy. This is the strong room on 770 CHQR, a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of, or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 770 CHQR.
1: So, have you addressed that New Year's resolution to get your financial house in order yet? If not, why not take in a Macmillan Estate Planning Seminar to give yourself an idea of what's involved in creating an estate or life plan? There are three upcoming seminars in April. On Tuesday, the 17th, the Macmillan team will be in Red Deer at 6 p.m. Wednesday, April 18th, there's a seminar in Edmonton starting at 6 p.m. And the next seminar in Calgary is on Thursday, April 19th, starting at 7 p.m. You can register online at macmillanestate.com for any of the seminars. In Calgary, you can also call the office weekdays during business hours at 403-266-6464. Come to a seminar, learn things. It might be the best 90 minutes you could invest in your financial future.
0: We're back with you on The Strong Room on 770 CHQR. Sherry McMillan spoke a bit about philanthropy a few minutes ago. One of her personal philanthropic projects is the Sheldrick Trust, an orphanage for orphaned elephants in Kenya. Rob Branford is executive director of the Sheldrick Trust and speaks about the founder, Daphne Sheldrick.
2: When she first started doing this work, she kind of says well I didn't know this would be my entire life that I would actually now because if that's it elephants are a lifetime rescue one that's it your whole life will need to be dedicated to that but she didn't know where it would go she thought I'll help a few animals in David's name that will be great for him great for me great most importantly for the animals she had no idea that we would be what we are today and she will stand there and talk to you and express how in awe she is of what the Sheldrakes has become and she puts lots the the bulk of that on the public because we wouldn't be yes you need these incredible figures heads, like Daphne, like Angela, what Taru will become. You need these people that you can connect with and see what they're doing. But without the public, and without the funds that the public provide, and without the moral support they provide, and social media for us is a great platform for that, for getting feedback and making us feel right. We we know we're doing the right thing. People are supporting us, and that's everything. Our our donors are the Sheldrick Trust. Everything we do is for them, because we're responsible responsible to them. Every dime, every penny they give us, we have a duty to spend that correctly and invest it in a way that will give them what they want. And what they want is a protective wilderness, elephants to be alive, lions to be alive, places that I'm assuming they want to visit one day and they'll be able to.
0: It really speaks to the importance and the value uh, and the possibilities of a trust. I think so. The possibilities are huge,
2: um, but you don't want this to get too big. We don't want to become a WWF. That's an amazing organization in their own right, in, in areas. We would never want to be that. We like that we're A family-based organization who care. We're very personal and each individual matters to us. And that's what we're based on. And we will never get too big. We're big at a field level. We employ 400 local people in Kenya to undertake the work that we do. So we're big there, but we never want to be changing the world we want to be changing the world for elephants and that's that's where our future is and where that goes I don't know as I say I think a lot of it is going to be on securing land and on vast educational programs for people so that people understand both people in Africa and globally understand their role in the future and what they can do
0: And one of the great values of social media in this context is that it allows you to share the story and what's being learned with the world.
2: Social media has been amazing for us just in getting that message out. Previously, we've always run a fostering program and people can get updates on their orphan baby elephant and that helps them feel incredibly connected because it's very personal and you can have your baby. So Undotto. Undotto does have 500 parents, which is quite incredible. But you can have that. But what social does, it allows us to show the breadth of our work. It's not just baby elephants. It allows us to take people through videos into the field. It allows them to sort of be there on a mobile veterinary treatment where, you know, we've sent up a helicopter, the vets darted an elephant, the ground team's rushing, you're doing the treatment, you're removing a poison arrow, and then you're watching that elephant get back on its feet. That, that live is incredible. That in video is equally as incredible as you watch this Behemoth, step back up, glance back, almost like an acknowledgement of thank you for helping me before it strides off again. And that's an animal that. Can live for 70 years and you know has the potential to have numerous babies or father numerous babies and add to that population so in saving that one animal you have no idea how many you're saving but you know it's many more and that's it's all these things and we can share that through social media which is so exciting for us and and definitely our audience on there is so engaged because it's giving them something they don't have we're all constantly hit with advertising or paying bills or all these different stresses and you can step out for a moment into africa And Brian, I'm sure, has it all the time with the clients that he takes out there. When you step into Africa, it's incredible. And with with social, yes, it's not quite the same thing. And you're not smelling smells of Africa through your computer yet. I'm sure it will come. Um, But it's just getting that closeness. And that, that, I think, is everything. We're so detached from nature, all of us. Even all of us that get to go back there more often, you very quickly become detached once you're back in these concrete cities. And I think that's one of the keys is just to get our position back because we're, We're we're animals, no different to any of these other animals. We've just given ourselves nice clothes and drive nice cars. That's that's essentially what it comes down to. We're better people when we're in nature.
0: One of the questions that comes up in life planning is the selection of the right executor. Sometimes that person is from outside Alberta, out of province. Executors, how common is that? What kinds of challenges need to be addressed in a life plan? when the executor of an estate doesn't live in Alberta?
3: It's an excellent question, Peter. And it's commonly found when we start working with family in an estate design. And I think the reason for that is our families in modern times have spread out across the community. So, you know, it's very common that our brothers or sisters will live in other jurisdictions. What's becoming even more common is that our children are ending up working down in the United States and aren't coming back. So, We have these dilemmas because when you have an executor of the estate, because estates in Canada are done by jurisdiction, so they're done by province, they're not actually done federally, what happens is the province wants a person that's in the province to execute that estate so that they would have recourse against that individual in the province. Well, For many of us, we don't have a family member in the province, so it becomes a dilemma. Now, you can select a person outside of the province, but the dilemma is that you're going to then have to place a bond on the estate and it ties the estate up for a window of time. So let's say I have a sister in Ontario, I live in Alberta, she's going to have to go and purchase a bond usually two times the value of your estate. So there's a cost associated with that to protect your estate from her because she's out of province until the estate becomes executed. So there is rigmarole as well. What I call it an extra cost associated with having an executor out of province. So sometimes we have varying solutions and I think you know the solutions are quite simple often for families. So if you don't have an actual family member in the community, you don't have to select a family member, you could select a professional you or friend that you've worked with over the years. So we're seeing more and more commonly business partners, you know, being each other's executors. The other option is to pick groups of people because groups of people behave properly because each of them are watching one another. And that makes the job less um, onerous because they're sharing that responsibility. And in many instances, what we do is we have an Alberta representative And we have the protector of the state be out of province. So your sister becomes the protector of the estate, but we have an executor in Alberta, so no bonds have to be placed. And they can do all the legwork. The sister can do all the legwork and complete everything. But because there's this overseer, we don't actually have to have um, the bonds and the complications associated with the estate. So personal is the very best because it's the least expensive. Um, Then we can go all the way to the other spectrum where you hire outside um, individual corporate representation, like a bank, for example. The problem with that is it's very costly. Um, on average, right now, when we are looking at the industry and fees, it's probably between two to four percent of the estate value. If you start to do the math on that. If you have a million dollar estate, it's you know forty thousand of fees potentially. That's a lot. So an alternative somewhere in the middle is to hire firms like Macmillan that only charge you an hourly rate rather than a percentage because then you're actually going to get a fair kick at the can um, because you're not paying based on your net worth, you're paying on the work that's actually executed. And so we... As an example, Peter, we help many families. We call it the surrogate son or daughter um, because we're the Alberta resident. And then the the family members are still involved because they are executing most of the estate. But we have the responsibility to ensure that they don't have to place the bond and just oversee that the taxes are filed appropriately for Alberta.
0: So again, if if I have an out-of-province executor, What does that executor have to do to take charge of my estate? after I pass?
3: So they will actually have to purchase a bond. So what we would do first of all is evaluate the value of your estate. So if your estate was worth a million dollars with your house and RSPs and everything, then we're going to have to go out most likely and buy a $2 million bond. We're going to have to price that and purchase it. And then we're going to have to go to the court to say this is the person executing the estate. This is the value of the bond so that we can actually transition this estate to the beneficiary class. Um, If they were an Alberta resident Mind you, we don't have to do any of that. They're automatically the trustee and away they go as the executor. So it's another cumbersome step in the process. Now, there's another solution that we haven't explored yet is to not need an executor at all. Now, most people don't know that they can do this. So one of the ways we can do this is by life planning instead of legacy planning. So for many families, and we're very lucky because this was enacted quite some time ago in Canada, we have a very special trust for elders that are retired. You have to be 65 or older to use this trust, but it's called an alter ego or joint partner trust. So whether you're single or married or common law, you can use this trust. You can transfer your estate with no tax into this trust while you're alive. So you are the executor of your own estate. So you're doing the work for your family in effect. Then you use the value in your estate for your retirement and elder care. But when you pass, the terms of your wishes are laid out in that trust. And it may say, okay, I split it a third, a third, a third to my siblings. Instantly, we don't have to probate. We don't need an executor. And they instantly receive the value. So there are other alternative solutions. If you don't have a family member you can rely on in the province or someone you would want to select, we can use these other trust mechanisms as the solution for that family. And the nice part is you're in control doing it.
0: And the difference between a trust and a will has to do with tax planning.
3: That's right. And, you know, as we've discussed so many times on the program, a will is only a distribution plan. It's not a tax plan, whereas a trust is a tax plan and it's designed in a manner to mitigate tax. It's designed in a manner to expedite the process of wealth transfer and also to put privacy around that estate because, you know, many families don't want their net worth or their asset base broadcast. And this is becoming more sensitive as affluent families have created more and more wealth. They don't want everybody to know that perhaps they not only own this particular business, but silently they own a different business and they don't want the community at large to know that if they use a will, the community at large is going to know that. So there's many reasons to give life planning a selection over will planning.
0: Good advice from Sherry McMillan. Good reason to take in an upcoming McMillan Estate Planning Seminar. Check for upcoming dates and times and pre-register at mcmillanestate.com. That's it for this week. Thanks for joining us on The Strong Room on 770 CHQR.